Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Justin, I'm one of the pastors here, and this morning we are launching a new series um, called We the Church, and I am really excited about this series because there's this sense in our body that God is at work and that God is moving and that lives are being changed and transformed. Um, Two weeks ago, we had our celebration service where we had over nine people within our body stand up and share stories of God showing up, of God providing transformation, of God providing community, of the kingdom of God breaking into our midst. And a lot of those stories, that activity has happened just in the last six months. And I believe that our God is just beginning, that he's not done with that work yet, and that he's, and that this is just like the tip of the iceberg of what God's doing. I mean, those nine stories are just um, a summary of what God is doing within our body, the way that God is bringing healing, the way that God is bringing restoration. And I'm excited to see where God is leading us and how God is going to continue to open our eyes and expand us towards kingdom breakthrough within our neighborhoods, within our city, within our community, and around the world. And I believe that in this room this morning, among us, that there is kingdom potential waiting to be unleashed out into our neighborhoods, out into our cities, out into our workplace, that God is at work within us, and he doesn't want to keep it here inside where you and I can benefit, and we can have a good time, and we can pat each other on the back, and we can celebrate the community that we have, but he's called us to go out and to share that community and be God's voice and God's presence lived among the world around us. And this is what this series is about. This series is about we, the church, and us rising in the ways that God has gifted us, in the ways that God has wired us, and it's about really identifying and unlocking and empowering one another to walk in the confidence of God's gifting and God's grace in our lives so that the kingdom of God would break through wherever we're at, wherever we're called, and that we would live as Jesus's lived presence in the world. And it's a big deal that this is what we're called to as a church, that we are called to be Jesus's body, Jesus's hands and feet out into the world. I want you to think for a minute about how you came to know Jesus, how you came to be here, how you came to encounter the love of Jesus. Now, it probably wasn't just sitting in your room alone, listening to some worship music and praying and meditating that God met you and struck you with his love for the very first time. In many ways, it's probably because a person who loved Jesus and who had Jesus living inside of them came and showed you his love and was present to you the way Jesus wants to be present to you and to the world around us. And there you experienced God's love. You experienced, man, God sees me. God loves me. God wants me to be in relationship with him in relationship with his people. And through that process, God has brought you here today and he's called you into his church and he's gifted you with good gifts so that you can go out and continue to expand the presence of Christ around the world. We are God's body, and we are called to live and to love and to be present to the world as he was present to it. So this morning, I just want to begin this series with a question. And that question is, who here has ever felt worthless? Who's here ever, like, questioned their value or their purpose in life? I know I have. I think we all have at some time that we question our value question. We ask this question, what am I, what am I doing here? Why am I here? What am, what am I supposed to do, God? God, show me what I'm supposed to do. And the reality is, is that there are a lot of you that I know that, and a lot of believers that I've encountered that have questions and have just 
views of inadequacy living inside of them that shouldn't be there because we know Jesus. And Jesus gives us our value. He gives us our purpose. He gives us his, his mission. But yet we walk around a lot of times with our head down and we're like, I can't do what God's calling me to do. I'm not equipped. And, and I just, I don't know if, if I can like even step outside of my door today because I don't know if I have worth or value. And that's a problem. That's a problem that we are burdened with insecurity, that we are burdened with, does God love me today? Will God show up for me today? Am I enough? These questions live within us. I'm just surprised, and I never knew that as a pastor that the majority of my conversations would be looking at people in the eyes and saying, you're okay. God is doing a work inside of you, and he's calling you to more. And he wants to put away those fears. He wants to put away those anxieties. He wants to call you away from those things. And he wants you to rise up into the ways that he's gifted you and the ways that he loves you and the ways that he sees you as his son and as his daughter. And he wants you to live into that. But I think it's no surprise that we as the body of Christ experience this level of attack of fear, of inadequacy, and of, <laughs> of anxiety. And it's because it's a strategy of the enemy. If the enemy can keep his church from stepping out into the world to being God's lived presence in the world where the kingdom of God can break forth, then the enemy has won. He is, says, you know that church, like, man, I've got their, my hand on them. They're so afraid. They're so scared. I've got them so distracted. They're so involved within themselves that they, they're not even, even going to look out. They're not even going to step out into what God's calling them to do because I've got them so afraid. And so this morning, what I want you to hear from God is God calling you to his value and to his purpose and to the giftings that he has placed inside of you. And if God is calling us towards something, that means he's also calling us away from something. And I believe that God is calling us away from thoughts of inadequacy, thoughts of fear, thoughts of self-worth and self-doubt, and that he wants us to be fulfilled and found in him that he wants our identity to completely be found in him and what he wants to do in and through us. And when we do this, we, the church, will rise and the kingdom of God will break forth in our communities and new life will be born around us. And so it's my prayer this morning that God would break down these lies, that God would break down these strongholds in our lives, that his kingdom would begin to break through as we reveal the good gifts that God wants to give us as a church, that God wants us to live into as a church. And I believe that when we do that, the kingdom of God is going to show up for our joy and for his glory, and the city is going to be healed. The city is going to be redeemed. Lives are going to be changed, and we're going to celebrate that together. I'm already looking forward to next year's celebration service to see what God is going to do in our body in the next 12 months. And I believe that this conversation, this series, is the beginning of us stepping into what God has for us next. And so in this series, our key text is going to be from Ephesians chapter 4. It's going to be up on the screen. I want you guys to follow along with me. And what happens is in Ephesians 4, Paul is writing to the churches. He's writing to not a specific church, but really kind of this manifesto to the churches. It's kind of this founding document, the book of Ephesians is, to the church that says, if you are a church, this is who you are. And this is what I've called you to live into. And so he shares this, 
document to the churches and the churches that he plants. And he says that we are called to build one another up, to be in unity and to serve God where he's called us and to realize that God has given us foundational gifts to live into so that his kingdom can break through around the world. And so I want you guys to read along with me. You don't have to read aloud, but I want you to read it on the screen. This text from Ephesians, that's the basis of our series here this morning. So from Ephesians 4, it says this. It says, Therefore, the prisoner, as a prisoner of the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling which you have been called. You all have been called. If you are sitting here this morning, you have been called, and he's calling you to live according to that calling. And he says, To live with it in all humility, in all gentleness, in all patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain unity in the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you are called to to one hope in your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But to each of us, that includes you and me, to each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. So Christ has some gifts and he wants to give them to each one of us. Verse 11 says, the gifts he gives us were that some would be apostles that some would be prophets, that some would be evangelists, that some would be pastors, and some would be teachers, for the purpose of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry, to building up of the body of Christ, until all of us have come to the unity and the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to full maturity that is the measure of the full stature of Christ. What that's saying is that he has given us these gifts so that we would grow up and that we would grow into a mature body that resembled Jesus and that wherever we would go, people would see Jesus lived out amongst them in their presence, okay? And it says that we would go out speaking the truth in love, that we must go up in every way to him who is the head, who is Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by every ligament which it is equipped and each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth, in building itself up in love. That we would go forth in love. That we would be a people that went together because of Christ's love and that we would share that love wherever we would go. And so in this passage, we find that God has gifted us through Jesus five different gifts that is for the purpose of building up the church, encouraging the church, and walking out God's presence in the world in love to those around us. And so those five gifts, we're going to put them up on the screen. They are the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. Um, you can summarize this by calling it APEST. If you look at, like, look at straight down, APEST is kind of the acronym that's used, but it's the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. And these are the five gifts that God has given to the entire body. These gifts aren't just given to a few so that a few might lead and that a few might rule. But Paul says that these gifts were given to each one of us. And a lot of times we think that these these gifts are meant for leadership. But the reality is that this passage doesn't mention leadership at all. Instead, it mentions calling. It mentions an identity, and it says, this is who you are. This is who I've made you to be, and this is what I'm calling you to live into so that we, the church, together might rise in community. 
So it begins with an invitation to know God. It begins with an invitation to know how God has wired us. And the thing is, is that with each of these five gifts, we believe that they're fully accessible to everyone and that they are fully available and fully active, okay? That they are around. Now, what we have to do is we have to just take a moment and do some like theological work for a second and say that some of these are mentioned as offices in the Old Testament. These lists here are also gifts that God has given to the church so that it might live as God's presence to the community and to our neighbors around the world. And so what I mean by that is that there is an office called the apostle. And Jesus has the 12 apostles, and then Paul is also an apostle because he meets Jesus, he encounters Jesus in, in physical form, and these are the apostles, and these guys have the office of apostle. But God has also gifted the church with those whom are also called to live out the calling that is an apostle. Also, we can look at prophet. There are the, there's the office of the prophet in the Old Testament. And in the prophet in the Old Testament, the office looks like the prophet would come and he would say, thus says the Lord. And if he was wrong and if he misspoke, he was stoned. That does not exist today. We do not have offices of prophets. What we see in the New Testament instead is this gifting of the prophetic where people are gifted by the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit is coming and dwelled within us, and the Holy Spirit speaks out of each one of us and prophesies and lifts one another up and builds one another up in community and speaks truth to our hearts. And this is what the role of the prophet and the gift of the prophet is for the church, much different than the office. You could even look at the evangelist. The evangelist, the office of the evangelist are the authors of the first four books of the Bible of the New Testament of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those guys are in the office of evangelist. But God has gifted us with people who love to go out and declare good news and share good news to the world around us. And these people are the apostles, not the apostles, the evangelists, who go out and rise up the church and encourage the body of Christ wherever we are to love others. So I just want you to see that there's a difference between the office and the giftings, and that the offices might have ceased, and they are locked in history, but the gifts continue on, and they are present, and they are among us, and they are within us. And this is where I talked about this morning when I said there is kingdom potential that's waiting to be unlocked. It's because when I look out and I see you guys, I see prophets, I see evangelists, I see teachers, I see shepherds, and I see God wanting to release us out of these walls to go and serve and love the people that he's called us to love in our communities and in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods. And that's how the kingdom of God wants to break through, through Damascus Road, and when we do that, the church will rise, and we will grow in unity, and we will be a part of the Jesus movement that cannot be contained, that cannot be controlled, that cannot be manipulated. And so that's what these gifts are for. These gifts are not for attaining power. These gifts are not for building up our own kingdoms. These gifts are not for ruling over other people. But these gifts are meant to serve, and they're meant to go out and to love. Jesus says, it will not be so among you. You will not rule over them like the Gentiles, but you will go and you will serve them with love. 
And so what we're going to do in this series is that we're going to take a week and we're going to go through each one of these gifts. And as we go through these gifts, there's going to be some places where the gift is really going to stand out to you. And you're going to be like, oh, oh, that's me. Like it's going to resonate with you within your soul. And you're going to be like, yes, I finally have language to name the thing that God is doing inside me and what God has been wanting to move inside me with. And you're going to be encouraged and you're going to want to go. There's also going to be some weeks where you're like, oh, no, no, that one, that was not me, not me. And that's okay, because God has gifted each one of us differently in different portions so that we wouldn't go alone and try and do this thing on our own, but that we would need one another to represent the body of Christ, that we would go forward in unity and love. This is why Paul emphasizes unity and love so strongly is because we need each other and we need the gifts that each other has to be able to go out and be the lived presence of Jesus where he's calling us. And so as we go through these weeks, and some stand out, and some also stand out in the opposite direction, what I want you to know is that he has made all of these gifts available. What I want you to know is that Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of these gifts, like Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these things. Jesus is the apostle. He is the shepherd. He is the teacher. He is the evangelist. Like he is these gifts. But if he also lives and resides within us, whether we feel like we have the gift or not, guess what? The author of that gift is there, and he can activate it and turn it on whenever he wishes. And so there might be a season in your life where God is going to call you, where you would say, oh, no. And he's going to say, oh, yes. And I am here with you. And God is going to walk with you through that. He's going to grow you. He's going to stretch you. And he's going to be with you, and it's going to be so good because he is the author and the giver of good gifts. And he's just calling us to go in faith and to step out into them. So what I want you to know is that this series, it's not going to be an exhaustive, comprehensive series on these five different giftings. In many ways, what we're doing here is we're starting a conversation. We're starting a conversation around the question of how has God gifted you? How has God wired you? And what does he want to do with it? And I cannot wait to see what God's going to do with this conversation as it begins to boil over in discipleship groups, as it begins to boil over on Sunday mornings, when it begins to boil over in community, as you engage with people in your spheres of influence and in, in your spheres where you're in relationships with others, where God is going to begin to stir up imagination where maybe there wasn't some before and where the kingdom of God is going to go forth and break out in your presence because we'll be living as the presence of Jesus in love together. This is the vision of the series. This is where we're going. And so this morning, I just want to start off with the very first gift, and that is the gift of the apostle. The very first gift listed is the gift of the apostle. Now, the word apostle, a lot of times we put a lot of high view on the word apostle. We've got the 12 apostles, but the word apostle, let's just like get it really down to like ground level and what it means and what it should mean for you and what it should mean for us as the church. It literally means sent one, the one who is sent. And the reality is, is that if we are followers of Jesus, we are sent ones. 
we are ones who have been sent by Christ to go and live as Christ to the rest of the world. And so whether you think you're apostle, believe you're apostle, whether apostle scores lowest on you, if you're like, I just have a very little amount of apostle, know that it's there and that it's presence and that God has called us all to be sent ones in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our places of work to be God's presence to those people and to those relationships. Jesus Christ is the apostle of the Bible. He is the sent one from heaven to earth to come and be here with you and me. And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus proclaims his sentness to us. In Jesus 4, 18 through 21, it says this. Jesus is in the temple. He opens up the scroll of Isaiah and he reads it. And this is what he reads. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, to the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolls up the scroll, and he gives it back to the attendant, and he sits down, and all the eyes in the synagogue were fixed upon him, and he began saying to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Here in this passage where it says, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. That word sent there is apostle. He apostled me to the captives, to the recovering of the sight of the blind. And so when we see why Jesus was sent from heaven to earth, the question is, who was he sent to? He was sent to the poor. He was sent to the captives. He was sent to the blind and to the oppressed. And what was he sent to do? In this passage, according to Isaiah, he was sent to proclaim good news to the poor. He was sent to set the captives free. He was sent to heal the sick and free the oppressed. Jesus was sent here. He is the apostled one. And he calls us to be sent with him also. That we would go with him into community. And he calls his disciples with him just after the resurrection, just as Jesus is risen from the dead. Jesus is with his disciples, and he's talking to them, and he's talking about the plans that he has for them. And in John chapter 20, it says this. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has apostled me, so I am apostling you. That's what the text says. As the Lord has sent me, I am also sending you. This apostolic gift is rooted in Jesus. And in many ways, it's this continual handing down of our, the idea and the identity that we are sent people, that we, the church, are sent out into the world to be God's lived presence. So someone with an apostolic gifting is going to be aware that we, the church, are like Christ and that we're sent out into the world to serve the poor, to set the captives free, and to heal the sick. Those who are apostles, the number one question that they're going to be asking, the number one question that's on their mind is, is the kingdom of God being advanced in our communities? Is the kingdom of God being advanced in our communities? That's the question of the apostle. And that's what's most valued and most celebrated by the apostle is the advancement of the kingdom of God in our communities as the church and as the body of Christ, as God's presence grows around the world. And so it is the apostles who live in the midst of us, who remind us and guide us towards the reality that we all are sent people by God to our neighborhoods and to our workplaces and around the world for the mission of God. 
And they're the people who show us and give us imagination that the kingdom of God is capable of breaking through in normal, everyday life, in normal, everyday relationships, in normal, everyday conversations. And they bring us along with them and show us how it's done. This is the work of the apostle to say, come and see that the kingdom of God is not just for a few, and that it's not just for some leaders, but it's on the ground, and it wants to be broken through in your workplace, and in your community, and in your family, and in your neighborhood, here and now, so that life can be restored. The apostle is always looking to develop those around them. So that the community that they establish, because a lot of times the apostles, they go out and they establish various communities. But as they go and they establish communities that reach those who God has sent them to reach, to be in relationship with those that God has called them to be in relationship with, they bring other people with them. Apostles never go alone. At least mature apostles don't. Sometimes we can be immature in our apostolic gifting and we can think, I can go and do this alone and God humbles us really quickly in those endeavors. And it's okay to be immature. We all start from a place. I mean, when he gives us this gift, and we're like, what, what do we do? How, what does this look like? How do we, how do we like, Jesus is like, just, just play with it. Just figure it out. Just know that I'm going to guide you. I'm going to protect you. It's okay. I'm going to humble you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to grow you. But the apostle is one who always brings someone along with them and builds people up around them so that when they are ready to leave and God is going to send them to start a new community, that that community that they started can be self-sustaining. The mature apostle understands that it's not about them, that it's not about their kingdom, it's not about the community that they're starting, but it's about the kingdom of God breaking forth and of God being glorified and bringing people with them so that that can happen. We see the apostle Paul do this throughout scripture. Paul, he goes to a region, he plants a church, he gathers people, people celebrate, people get converted, people get discipled, and he raises up the church. I was going to say leaders, but this isn't about leaders. He raises up the church. You see, even in church language, we talk about leaders all the time. But the reality is that Paul didn't go to raise up leaders. He went to raise up the church in their giftings. And so Paul goes to communities, and he begins to identify these giftings that God has given each one of them within the community, and he raises up the church. And when it is at a place where it's healthy and it's good, Paul leaves. And he goes and he starts another one. And he brings people with him like Timothy to show them, hey, this is what it looks like to start a community. This is what it looks like to start a church. This is what it looks like to identify these gifts and call people up and to be the church. And then he sends out Timothy to go do maintenance and to start and plant churches also. This is what the work of the apostle looks like. Simply put, the apostles are not only the sent ones, but they are also the ones who rise up and send out others who are around them. And that's what I love about the apostles, that the apostle gets us out of our comfort zone. The apostle calls us to try things that we would never dare try on our own. The apostle is kind of like the mama bird that kicks the baby bird out of the nest and says, go fly, because I've equipped you, and everything that you need is in that little body of yours. Just open your wings and do it. This is what the apostle does. And so the question is, is what does this look like? What does this look like lived, right? We've talked about the theology. We've talked about, like, 
kind of what it is, what are the questions that we wrestle with, but what does it look like lived? And I want to talk about some examples of people that you might know and some examples of people within our body. And so the first one is that Marlene. I know a lot of you guys know, know Marlene Sorensen. She came and she spoke here. She blessed us with her presence and with her word. And one of the things that Marlene has been called by God to go do is to start a community that reaches women in Madison who have been rescued out of sex trafficking here within the city. And so she believes that God has called her and she's calling people around her to raise up funds, to raise up awareness and to build a community where people who have been rescued out of sex trafficking can come and receive freedom and redemption and restoration from all of the horrors that they face and that they would find it from the truth and the true healer and the true redeemer that is Jesus Christ. Marlene is an apostle. She is sent out to those who are oppressed within the city, and she's calling people with her to go with her. Some of you guys might know Crystal Marks here in our body, and God has been doing an incredible work within Crystal. Um, just this year, she launched a kingdom-minded clothing company with the sole purpose of growing a business of sustainable clothing where she partners with women around the world to where they can receive an income, where they can make clothing at fair trade costs, where they can invite other women around them to join them in this business to where they can rise and where when the women rise in poverty, guess what? The communities around them rise. There's a stat that if you raise one woman out of poverty, she brings four other women with her. And so Crystal has began to step into this work and began to, to start this clothing company that has a kingdom purpose of providing clothes for you and me while also raising up some of the most vulnerable and oppressed people. But she's not going alone. As I was talking to Crystal about it and how God has called her to this work, she said that she was meditating in Matthew 6.33, which says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. And she said that she heard God say, you will not go alone, and this will be bigger than you could ever imagine. The thing is, is that if you've been gifted, amen, amen. The thing is, if you've been gifted with the apostle, these are some familiar words that God is going to speak to you. God is going to speak to you. You will not go alone, and it will be bigger than you could ever imagine, and I will be with you. And Crystal's able to step into this work confident that it's, not her, that it's not her energy, that it's not her idea, but it was a gift from God that God has spoken to her. So she's been hearing and responding to God, and she's responding to God by saying, I'm going to use the gifts and talents that you have given me, God, to go out and reach those whom you have called me to be sent out towards. And guess what? Those women are going to also call out and send and be sent to other women. And the kingdom of God is going to break through and the kingdom of God is going to rise and we together are going to rise in unity. A lot of you guys also know Tracy Fountain in our body. Tracy also has this kind of apostolic gift, especially as it comes to December. Tracy is a champion at our church for December, which advocates for the, the fundraising so that uh, organizations can go out and rescue women who are involved in sex trafficking around the world. 
And so Tracy comes to us, and she's passionate about Just Summer, and she's passionate about seeing women set free and trafficking victims set free around the world. And guess what? She calls you and me to say, put on a dress for December. Put on a tie for December. And you and I become sent ones out into the community where people start asking, why are you wearing a dress every day? Why are you wearing a bow tie? And you can say, well, I am sent to wear a dress, and I am sent to wear a bow tie to raise awareness for those who are still enslaved today. And we are sent on behalf of those who are still waiting rescue. The way that Tracy operates in the apostolic is that she knows that she is sent by God. But she doesn't just do it alone. She then calls us, you and me, to step up into that and to be sent ones. And so when we participate in December, when we put on that dress, when we put on that tie, guess what? That apostolic circle in your life, the apostolic gifting that God has put inside of you, it's growing because you're a sent one and you are being sent. Another leader in our church, Mike Halstead, is an apostle. And Mike, as I talked to him, he's like, you can tell him that I'm an immature apostle. He's like, you can let them know that. He's like, I am a person who like wants to do a hundred things at once. He's like, I feel like I'm sent everywhere. But if you look at Mike and you look at his calling, he is sent to the recovery community. And he has started a home called Serenity Home where those who are in need and who are ensnared by addiction can come and find freedom again from the one who gives freedom, from the one who gives life. So Mike is growing in his maturity as an apostle as he focuses the vision that God has called him to, to serve and reach those who he has been sent to. Now you might be sitting here thinking like, man, that's great. That's great that all these people have been sent out, but like, that is not me. There is no way that's me. There's no way that I'm going to start an organization. There's no way that I'm going to start a ministry. Like what does, what does being an apostle look like on the ground? What does it look like in everyday life? And to do that, I want to invite Sam Olson up um, because Sam's been doing some apostling. She didn't even know it. When I told her, I was like, you're, you're an apostle. She's like, I'm a what? And I'm like, yeah, God is using your gift of apostle to do something amazing in her community. And so um, six months ago, Sam gave birth to their first daughter, um, their first child, Carolyn. And, um, and what she decided, yeah, come on up. And so what she decided to do is in her community, she saw a need for a mom's group. And so she started a mom's group in her community, and it's really taken off in her small town of Belleville. And so I just want to interview you a little bit just around, like, what is God doing and how is God showing up um, in some ways in this community? And so I guess the first question I want to ask is, why, why a mom's group? Like, what, how did God call you to to do that? What did that look like? Yeah, well, um, it was about two months after I had Carolyn, um, and I'm a stay-at-home mom now, and I was just feeling kind of isolated um, and felt like I needed community and realized that I didn't know anyone in my community. Um, we moved there about four years before that, um, and so I started looking for a mom's group. Um, I went on the Nextdoor app. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's kind of like a community bulletin board type thing online, um, and there wasn't anything. Um, so I just kind of on a whim, like, put it out there <laughs> on a posting and said, hey, I think I want to start um, a mom's group um, at a coffee shop that was just opening in our town. We didn't have one before. 
Um, and that was kind of the other thing. We didn't have any, no one had a place to meet before the coffee shop opened. And the coffee shop opened at the same time um, that this idea came up. So, yeah, it's just kind of how it started. <laughs> yeah. And I think you kind of did it by accident. Like, Riley came home and you're like, I think I started a mom's group. Today, I did, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of fell into it. Now, yeah. now, walk us through, like, what fears, what insecurities, like, what did you have to overcome to actually, like, show up to yeah. that first mom's group meeting that you accidentally started right <laughs> so um I'm really big on like online community like I have a lot of Instagram mom friends <laughs> um I blog and that kind of stuff so I've always had like that screen in between me <laughs> and somebody else um and so like starting an in-person thing is really scary because like what if I show up and nobody comes <laughs> um and that was like the first meeting I kind of thought that might happen, but it was at a coffee shop. So like worst case scenario, I just get some coffee. <laughs> but um, I did feel kind of weird because like I had a little sign that said like Belleville New Moms Group that I like taped to my table. I was like, this is going to look really dumb if I'm the only person sitting here <laughs> with my baby. Um, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but that never happened. Um, it started six months ago and I've not had a single meetup where I've been alone. <laughs> which is crazy. Sometimes it's just one mom and me, but sometimes it's like eight other moms and me. So that's been a really big thing because I don't really feel like a failure, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> at this point. Yeah. yeah. And what would you say, um, just some of the things that God's doing just in your community because this mom group exists? Yeah. Um. So the common theme in like conversation, even when new moms come, is that like nobody knew each other. <laughs> We live in a really small town. We have, like, 2,000 people. Um, but nobody was leaving their houses, you know, especially new moms. Um, and the group, too, is not – it's called Belleville New Moms Group, but, like, we don't say no to anyone. Like, if you're a mom, you can come. Um, if you're going to be a mom, you can come, um, which has been awesome. So, like, it's just built this kind of connection um, where you now three moms in our group are having babies and, like, we're able to support them. Um, and they have this community that can ask for help. Um, if they want. And it's also like no pressure. Like you don't have to come to every meeting. You can just come to one meeting. You don't have to come for the whole time, um, which is kind of a big deal with moms, I think, because I think we feel pressured to show up um, and to be on time or to like stay the entirety of time, which is not always possible when you have a little one who kind of dictates <laughs> your schedule. So yeah, that's been a blessing. Yeah. It's been cool. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing, Sam. Thanks for sharing what God's doing in Belleville. Um, yeah. Thanks, Sam. I mean, this is what apostling and being sent looks like. You know, Sam saw a need in her community. She saw a need in her own life. And God worked through that. And God said, hey, like, look for a mom's group. Oh, there is no mom's group. Well, I guess, I guess I'm just going to start a mom's group. And what's amazing is that she's been able to gather people who have had a felt need, a need of community, people who have felt isolated, people who have felt alone, people who have not been seen, they're being seen. They're growing in community. They're being supported and encouraged by one another. One of the things that I also love about Sam's group as she talked to me is she's like, I don't believe that I have to be there every week because the group would just happen. And that's also one of the great signs of an apostle because an apostle brings people and sends people with them so that, they, that the movement's not about them, but it's about what God's doing. And even though this isn't like a Jesus mom's group, this isn't a church mom's group, it's about a group of moms coming together and sharing life together, guess what? There's moms that go to church. There's moms that talk about church because it's a part 
of their lives, and it's the potential for an opening of a conversation for the kingdom of God to show up. And I believe the kingdom of God is already showing up just by these women gathering and supporting and loving one another. And I believe the potential for God to show up in this group is huge. And what's also amazing is that as they were able to launch with this coffee shop, the coffee shop owner took notice. And the coffee shop owner was like, how can I serve you guys? And they're like, well, a play area in this space would be great. And he's like, all right, done. Consider it done. And so he's like building a play area in his coffee shop so that these moms can continue to meet and that their kids have a place to play and grow. And this coffee shop owner also understands that he's an apostle, that he's a sent one to the community to foster communities, to foster sharing life together. And by these moms gathering together, they're beginning to shape and change the culture of their community. Women who used to say, I knew no one, can now say, I know a handful of women in my community that I can call up, that I can visit, that I can go see. People are being seen. People are being known. And this commonplace, this coffee shop, is being altered to be accommodating to kids because this group showed up. This is what it looks like, and this is what it feels like, and this is what it is to be an apostle. It's really simple. It's about being a sent one to where God has already sent you to be. And I don't know if you guys know that. Sometimes we think of mission as like, I need to go somewhere else, that God is calling me somewhere else. And maybe he is. Maybe he is calling you out of something towards something else. But most of the time, he has sent us as the church to be the church right where we are. And so the question is, how do you know if you might be gifted as an apostle? Well, I would say some of the telltale signs is that you're a visionary, that you're a self-starter, that you're a developer, that you bring people along with you, and that you also like to think strategically, that there's a little bit of strategy that goes in because you want to see the kingdom of God advance. And that the number one question that you're asking, is the kingdom of God advancing in my community? And you also get really frustrated when you feel like the answer to that question is no. Those are some telltale signs that the gift of apostle is upon you. I also believe that Crystal's message of this is going to be bigger than I can imagine um, and um, I can't remember the other one, huh? And you won't go alone. Thank you. Look at, you guys are listening. Yes, yes. All right, and you won't go alone are true, and those are words that you would hear often from the Lord as an apostle. And what I want you to know is that being an apostle isn't about starting church programs. It's not about starting church programs. The key to being an apostle is about being called into relationship with the people that God has placed already around you. The key to being an apostle is about entering into relationship with people. It's not about running a program. And so if you feel like God is developing the apostle in you, I want to ask you a couple questions I think will help guide you in to this gifting that God wants to call you deeper into that will guide you. And so these are some guiding strategic questions as you grow into, as an apostle, as you grow as a sent one. And the first one is, it's not what am I going to do? What program am I going to run? What activity am I going to do? The first question is, what, who is God calling me into relationship with? It begins with a who. It begins with who is God calling me to serve, and to be in relationship with. And then the next question is, how is God calling me to serve those whom he has called me to be in relationship with? And then the next question you have to ask is, 
Are those people whom God has called me to serve in the ways that I'm serving them, do they feel served? Because there are times where we feel like we are called to a group of people. We are called to serve them. And we feel like God has given us a way to serve them. And it's not helpful. Because we thought we had a great idea. And so one of the great litmus tests of the apostles is that the apostles are going to be checking in and making sure that those whom God has called them to serve feel served. And oftentimes you'll hear people say, man, I'm so glad that this mom's groups existed because I looked online and there was nothing. And then I looked online again and I got your invitation and there's a mom's group now. Like, that's how Sam knows she's like hitting the mark. Because the people that she's been called to serve have said, man, I have felt served by this. And then the final question is, is who are you bringing alongside you? Who are you equipping to serve those around you also? To who are you sending out? Because I believe the apostle does not go alone. And the apostle encourages and sends others that are around us. So to the apostles that are among us, know that you're needed. Know that you are valuable. Know that God has given you the ability to see and hear from him in ways the church has failed to see and hear for a long time. For a long time, we have shut up the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists. And we've said, teachers and shepherds, apply here. And for so long, the church has operated from a place of teacher and shepherding that we have lost what it is to be an apostle, an evangelist and a prophet. And I believe that God is waking us up to that. And so if you've been frustrated in the past, know that you're valued, know that you're needed, know that we need your sight, we need your ears, we need you to come and challenge us and call us to go live as sent ones among those in the world that God wants to redeem, that God wants to save, that God wants his presence to be lived out in love with. We need kicked out of the nest. And we need you to invite us to go with you. And so as we rise, we will rise together. We will rise together as one body, as the apostles, as the prophets, as the evangelists, as the shepherds, and as the teachers. And when we rise together, our communities will experience the lived presence of the Son of God. And that's going to be a beautiful day. Would you guys pray with me? God, we thank you that you've called us our body. We thank you that you've given us good gifts. And we thank you that you have given us your son, Jesus, to fulfill us and to give us these good gifts. God, I pray against the spirit of fear. God, I pray against the spirit of self-doubt this morning. God, I pray that you would free us from the very low views that we have of ourselves and that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the purpose and the value and the mission and the life that you're calling us to live into. And God, I pray that we would rise together, that you would call out the apostles in this church, that you would send them to go and be in relationship with those whom you are sending them to be in and that we would go with them together and that we would rise as the church together, God, so that we would rise as shepherds and teachers and evangelists and prophets and apostles. God, we thank you that you are good. God, we look forward to what you're going to do among us. In your name we pray. Amen.